Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I continue to learn about the initiatives from small business owners, students, student founders, educators, edtech founders, civic officials, nonprofit executives, healthcare executives, technology experts, technology startup founders, and even oil and gas tech startups. These individuals have shared their stories in person during the pre-COVID period and remotely throughout the COVID and the quasi-COVID opening periods. Out of 86 podcasts recorded and released so far in 2021, I had the privilege of learning about the important support network of Woods Homes from clinical coordinator David Williamson during episode 309. As I learned, Woods Homes provides treatment and support for children, youth, and families with mental health needs, a service that has become increasingly important during the COVID pandemic. Take the time to consider learning more about and possibly donating to Woods Homes and their many programs, including the Albo Springs Counseling Service. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast from whatever app you access your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and even Amazon Music. I also invite you to leave a review. This will allow others to easily find the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Good afternoon and welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Wozniak, and today for episode number 312, I've got Daniel Santiago on on the line. Is that right, Daniel? That's right. Thanks for having me today. You are with the Mount Royal University Work Experience Program. That's a mouthful, so I'll just call it MRU. Do you say MRU when you guys talk? Uh, No, it it would probably sound like we were were mumbling, and I think it would just... It would, I don't know if it makes sense to some people working no, in post-secondary, but uh, it, it's definitely our department. We're, we're called career services. So yeah. work experience is a, a strong aspect of what we support um, along with other things too. So the, but the, the, the department itself, and we'll go to when you started it, but it, it's been, a, when did this start? Like the, the work experience program or it's part of career services, but the work experience itself, when did that, do you remember when that, do you know, or maybe that's when you, you started this or what? Well, to, to give context, I've, I've been in career services for four years now, um, yeah. or with career services, and it started about 25 years ago. Um, from what I oh. gather, it was two separate departments. There's a work experience department and a career services department. So yeah. um, they kind of looked at it as two streams. If you were a student at, at Mount Royal College back then, yes. uh, then you could, if you're interested in work experience, that is separate of uh, career services and what that would help you with. Um, so it's a at minimum 25 years ago, and I'm sure career services has had a department roughly since the conception of the college at, <laughs> at some point but to so support when did, people. So somebody had the red light or the aha moment where they said, wait a minute, this is kind of links to your career, the career services we're providing. Someone had that moment and said, let's put this together. Was that in your time or before you, still before you? Uh, it's still before me. So, I mean, Mount Royal College has been around since, or Mount Royal has been around since 1910. 
Um, yeah. And I was part of the century graduating <laughs> class in 2010, which wow. is pretty cool. I was in the first graduating class of Mount Royal University. So although I had a, an applied degree from the from the college, I got uh, Mount Royal University on my parchment, which was pretty neat and just fortunate timing that I was able to tack on the university. Is that when they made that change? Because I was I was around as I remember MRC, right? The, the call, we used to go up to the college to study for our, our, our clean exams. So when did they make that change? 2010, that year you graduated? Yeah, yeah. So I, I graduated in um, as part of the fall graduating class, and I believe that was the first graduating class to annotate uh, university on it. Wow. And, uh, that, and that was the launch of university was fall 2010. I, I could be off uh, by a semester or two, but that's what yeah. I that's what I certainly recall. I think I mean think about that transition, right? So there's a two year people on the two year track, and then suddenly you're on the four year track. I only came here to go for two years. Sorry, dude, you got to do two more. Yeah, it was interesting going through the, the degree at the time being an applied degree. It was three and a half years, um, yeah. with which included two mandatory work experiences, which I was thankful to go through. And right. um, but when we it came up that we were transitioning to university, they said if you want the university degree though, not have a bachelor of applied communications, you can sign up for um, X, Y, Z semester and classes, um, and take an extra year, tack on yeah. an extra year, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. so really, uh, I, I don't think many people chose to do that at the time because the difference at the time isn't, isn't huge, but I, I'm glad that the students now they're, they're getting a little more insight and even to, uh, I think they take a finance course, which we didn't take and some other supplementary right. items and, and even just a little bit more general education courses, if they're interested, um, to round out their education. You know, it's, it's incredible because I came, so I came back after many years overseas, but Paul Varela, episode 41, I was, I, he's from the, he's one of the um, entrepreneurship program or a business, I, I can't remember what, but Paul was, I, he took me around, we did it, it was a three hour tour of the campus. That's a long we, tour. That's yeah, all, that's, you got your 10,000 steps that day. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't follow that, that rigid, but we probably did. But anyway, so it was, but it was snowy that day. It was kind of early December, just, po- it was a few months before COVID, but Wow, it was amazing. Like the workers, what was it called the Maker's Lab? Yep. And uh, the Changemaker Studio. Yep. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. And there's like hanging from the ceiling, all these startups that are coming out of there. So that I want to segue to that because do you, do those startups, or do they make, do you funnel a lot of students into that work, the work part? You know what I mean? Like that, they're, they're businesses now, some of those startups. So career services isn't directly involved with that, but I mean, we're peripherally um, involved in terms of uh, students can access their work experience through that area. Um, we've had yeah. we've had some students do that um, from different programs, although I've not been, in, I think I've been involved with one student who was working with the Changemaker Studio for their work term um, yeah. uh, as to support their function. But in terms of the startups, um, I'm, I'm just glad that that's there. There's a lot of students have great ideas and, and when you're young, it's kind of the time to do it. It's when you, you can burn the candle from both ends a little bit more and your body might bounce back a little bit when, but when you guys, you get into your thirties and forties and you have, uh, other duties in life, um, it's more difficult to do that. So I think it's excellent that it fosters that type of creativity and, and launch pad. Right. Right. So that is there like a, you might think 25 year history, you must have hundreds of businesses that are involved in this or is it is there a select you kind of dangle the, the same ones they always get the same you know what i mean does it funnel through and they're the same good. businesses or how, how is that just what's the general outline of that yeah that's a good question so 
There's a lot of mainstay um, organizations that we have that hire um, all, through all sorts of programs, um, larger oil and gas companies yeah. um, for, for, as a prime example, being the main industry in Alberta and Calgary. So, you know, like TC Energy will hire um, tens of students from us um, from different programs. Um, usually I have at least uh, two students going there, uh, right. Suncor as well, right? And then you got to look at ATCO's. There's an ATCO trailer right outside your building. But there's yeah, ATCO, we, right? They hit offices right there. For sure. We have we have yeah. students there. I have a good friend of mine who I graduated PR with. Yeah. Um, uh, he was in communications at that company a while ago, and he hired a student uh, of mine. Nice. Um, and even with his, uh, another company he's with after that. So it's just interesting how that can go, whether it's your personal connection um, or having, having other students work in different departments there who are already accessing or, or, or getting hired yeah. prior to coming through work experience and said, Hey, well, this can, can this be my work experience? Uh, yeah, for sure. Awesome. We just have to approve it. So that, that work experience is part of the curriculum. They have to have, is it every faculty or just the PR comms or can you give some oversight on that? Yeah. So there's 15 programs that offer co-op wow. or work experience. And there's two distinct differences. So, so co-op, uh, a cooperative uh, uh, distinction on your degree is, yeah. is optional. And some programs have that. So it's usually through the, uh, through the business and administration faculty, right? So it's a handful of degrees there. The students can choose to complete three co-ops, which gets you the designation on your parchment, um, or you can choose to complete only one or two if you want, um, just to get something um, to backstop your experience and, and round out your, your journey through your implementation of your knowledge, through your academic career, and then launching into your professional career. Oh, on so the work this, experience... Oh, ahead. sorry, Daniel. I want to go back to that, because you mean yeah. there's sort of like a, not an asterisk, but you call it the parchment the parchment paper that you, when you make uh, cookies, but no. So the parchment is, <laughs> so that there's something on a degree that says with work X amount of, what does it say? I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, I don't recall exactly what the parchment specifies. I've, I've not actually seen one in my own hands, what it says, but I, I know that it indicates a co-op designation and I'm not sure how much oh, okay. specifics it puts on the, on the parchment. Um, but a student can just, identify that on their uh, education section of their resume right. um, okay. per, in perpetuity, right? Um, because they can show on their transcripts that they they clearly com uh, completed those uh, co-op opportunities. No, through, I just, I'm just thinking, that. but you did it. And, you know, I guess it's back to your point that if you're down the road and you need your, your, your transcripts or certification or your department, what do you call, you call it a parchment? I didn't know that. Actual paper, the certificate, you get your diploma, your degree? Um, you know, I, I call it that. You're using words, uh, and, dude. I got. I'm calling you out on that. Interestingly, my my wife is a records evaluator at yeah. Mount Royal University, and um, she she is responsible for ensuring students receive their degrees, parchments, what what, what whatever you call it. Um, I call no, it parchments. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure if I took it from if I took that from her or if I'm making that up. No, I'm I'm putting. I don't mean to go. I was like, that's just cool because I didn't know. Because okay, so anyway, so that that's a bit of a distraction. But so they they couldn't have that on there. They, it's a signaling thing if if they need it, in particular some some disciplines, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's I think it's a signaling thing for for some industries. It might be backstop yeah. kind of uh, give you leg up against others who might be applying to start their, their career. I think it's definitely helpful to start your career to be able to indicate a either that you've got a co-op um, yeah. designation or at least in your in your uh, work history that you completed an internship or two. 
um, through co-op or on your own means. Um, but then if we look at the work experience side, that's where it's required through the, the degree as part of your experience yeah. that you complete a work term right. um, and then and then you've got that on on record that you've in, impressed upon uh, the industry that you know how to access your knowledge and, and engage upon it in like a real That's setting. So important, right? It, it's so critical. Like, I remember the only thing I did in the first six months was photocopy, right? Coming out of out of an accounting degree, and literally that's why you, you you had to learn by six months. It took you in order to clean. I don't know the, the lawyers are like that, but that work experience is really important. Um, yeah, I think maybe in in, in my back day, in the back. day, it could have been more <laughs> learned by observing rather than as much hands on, and you have to learn yeah. to prove yourself. But now it's accepted that you know you, you might get someone pretty green, or you might get someone who's got already got um, a degree and and worked a couple of years professionally and is coming back and needs work experience for their their new degree, whatever it might be. There's, yeah. there's the experiences and experience, um, but I remember my first day and my first uh, work term. Uh, I didn't understand how to use Microsoft Outlook. I'd never seen it before. I was using Hotmail personally um, or the other <laughs> mail service that Mel Royal University provided at the time. So yeah. it was new to me. I also didn't know how to use the office phone. I'd never seen one before. We like, had literally, that's funny because we had this, you know, those old push button, like the nine, whatever is buttons. And there was yeah. literally at everybody's desk or because the workstations at Ernst & Young, they had this thing. Have you seen this phone? And we used to, as a joke, we'd put it like a, you know, we'd kidnap it and things like that. But it was literally instructions on how to use that phone. You know, dial nine and make the speaker comm work and all those things like that. Oh, exactly. It's, I mean, and we have students who are, who, who don't know any of that and are going to their, their first work term with that experience. Yeah. But through that, a lot of programs, you have community service learning projects, you have opportunity through other um, projects with other students in, in your classes. You, you can claim your experience through the courses you've taken and you have to, have to find a way to creatively um, portray what you've experienced at university if you have no other work experience when you're going either into your first internship and, and applying and, and competing against other fellow students um, or even going out into the workforce if you haven't completed anything at all. So um, I think it's important to know and be aware of what you can access in terms of services at your university and then coming back to career services. Yeah. Um, and what our strategic goals is to engage all students uh, because no student can be left behind in Mount Royal. Um, we want every student to know about That's like the services. U.S. military. No student left behind. <laughs> well, pretty much, though. Like, I like the model, I, though, right? I remember my experience going through Mount Royal and whether it's I was focused on other things, having fun with my friends or figuring yeah. out what university life was like and what my priorities were. Um, I didn't know about career services until my first work experience. And we had, I think, two or three two-hour seminars on what your resume should look like, how the job search looks and what to expect. Um now students have to go through a, a semester long course um, to learn really? about these things. Yeah. Wow. Because that reason that, uh, so I've, you know, I've done a student, the student podcast, right? And I, yeah. the PR com ones, they were, I've done a couple of sessions with like Braille, Pale Chase. There's a couple of the girls and the, the um, that, but the universities of Calgary students, some of them, my, my early, early ones with the MBA and master management, since I go, I say, let's look at, let's go look at your, your LinkedIn profile. And it, I catch him out on it, like I was not during the podcast, but on a side gig. Mm -hmm. And then I said, so how many Instagram followers do you have? Or how many people, you know, do you engage with on social media on Snapchat or wherever? Thousands yeah. or, you know, 1,500. And they go to the LinkedIn and they're graduating with 250 contacts. And most of them are other students and maybe professors. Right. Wow. So you guys are taking a course because that's just, that's just awareness of what's going on out in the 
outside of that, as you said, the campus walking around and, and partying with your friends or whatever? Yeah, it's, it's a, I, I wish I had the course that I, I, and part of my job is to teach that course to students. So yeah. I, 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 I get to impart upon them what I wish I could have taken away from university <laughs> and, it, and it worked out in the end for me, but my, everyone's, and everyone's journey is different. You take away what you can from any given course, whether it's anthropology or, you know, taking your work term prep course. Yeah. So it's, it depends on your level of engagement at that time. But yeah, I, I was looking at your, your previous podcast, like, you, you've interviewed five students that I that went through me as the nice. coordinator. So Lauren Trelford, Michaela St. Cyr, Earl Webb, Grace Quinn, and Paula Sage. So like they're all excellent people, did great on their work terms and, and they're out there now. They're, they're putting their, their pen oh, to paper. They're getting the sweat I, on They're They're, they're making changes in communications based on what their knowledge is that they've come through. With. Yeah. And I try, I remember I tried to pull, pick the brain a little bit about some of the stuff they're doing. And, you know, it's just, well, it's, it's it, listening this weekend, or uh, I just listened to the May 6th, I did a podcast with Jason Ribeiro and mm -hmm. some BCOM students, three BCOM first years. Yeah. And the level of engagement was so high. And, and Jason, he kind of said what you said. He, I wish he said it during the podcast. Um, I wish I, you know, it was that level of engagement when I was back in, and he was, he says, I'm not that old, but that level of engagement and what you're doing and your inside, inside, outside activities is incredible. So yeah, hats off to the, to that, those the students, Paul Assage and Errol Webb and that, that literally some of the things they are doing already. And then they're stepping, they're stepping in, you know, boots on the ground, whatever term you want to use, right. Come off the ground running, those kind of those metaphors that that's real, what you're doing, the work experience. Yeah. It's having, been in their shoes after graduation trying to figure out what you're going to do when when you're you're starting your career you're you're very a lot of people are, are open i can't speak for everybody right but people you're open to opportunities so yeah. whether that's starting with an organization but also saying yes a lot and maybe loading your plate more than you could than you need to but sure. you're also in, interested in, and feel like you can and you want to contribute but then you look outside that people are volunteering or helping their friends with their their endeavors or startups or um, initiatives or fun, little fundraisers or passion projects you've got the energy at that time and that and that's how you create that foundation and figure out what's what's worth your effort and what's not worth your effort as you go down the path of your career you know that i look at so i look back i'm going to pick on your your career because you you were that PR comms guy, right? And mm -hmm. so that practical experience, I don't know, today, and I'm, I'm going comparing to accountants, I couldn't step in. I probably still couldn't step in and do something unless I could do a spreadsheet or whatever. But, you know, the PR comms, I think they're so valuable today for startups or whatever. Not, you and I talked a little bit about nonprofits. Yep. And they could step in and work on the weekends, nights, six months, a year, whatever, earlier before and have all that experience. You know what I mean? Like, and and I it just, it just very practical. Like that intern could step in. Oh, here's what I've done on social media. Let's look at what you're doing. Okay. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's what I was saying about having that extra time. And as a student, the, your your options are, you know, working part-time um, and lessening your, your course load and doing your degree over a longer period of time just to continue yeah. to get that work experience on the side or maintain your current career path because you have a goal in mind or it's you know loading up your course load, working part-time and then, then working part-time somewhere that's just paying the bills and then volunteering on the side to get that experience. Um, but co communications is one of those functions that um, I think a lot of people can think they know how to take on or, or do try and do, but they don't have the time for, um, and they definitely need some help. 
And there are a lot of students who are willing to do that. And there, I feel like there's a ground floor in terms of tasks that students do when they start that part of their career yeah. and they can work their way past. And I did it myself, which is essentially absolutely starting with social media. Most people don't want to do it, but it's a requirement of a bit of your business function day to day and, and creating awareness and engaging with your, your clientele. Um, it take, can be time consuming and it does take the know-how to in, enact a strategy. So a student is the best way to go about that. Well, you know, but there's a, there's a misnomer there because I, I've listened to many podcasts or they, oh, go hire a student, they'll do it for free and go hire, or go hire someone who's retired, they'll do it for, you know, they'll do it for nothing. But at the same time, you know, it, people don't want to give the reins off. If they give the reins off, then what does that person do? I, you know, is it a, you know, this, the value of that money is degraded because if you hire someone and there should be valuable versus the students, you know, I'm just trying to, I, I just, I love that philosophy, but at the same time, is that free? You know what I mean? Like the person's time and le the learning. I, I'm just kind of, I, I, I don't know. I'm just speaking out, out, out loud here, but I think God, yeah. that, that there's value in there, everything else they're learning as well. So why do yeah, there's a cost benefit analysis? I think if you're the employer and the student, like if you're the, you're, in, you're the filling the shoes of, of hiring for a need, you have to figure out, okay, what don't I know? And how am I going to get that help? And how much money do I have to spend? Yeah. And, and that's what it comes down to. If you can't afford a full-time communicator, well, then what kind of communicator can you afford? And for how long just to get the ball rolling? I think sometimes it takes, and especially if you're a startup or a smaller company, you have to get that experience with um, with someone getting help on those items that you need, you need help with to realize the value. And then you decide, okay, I can start to work towards earmarking someone more full-time, or I hired the student for their work term and now I need to bring them on uh, part-time through their uh, semesters and then they're oh they're graduating you know what I'll bring them on full-time now or I can just have a turnkey system of bringing on su students to get the help until I grow companies take time to grow so the communications foundation takes time to build too it's yeah. it's a difficult one and it's nebulous to some on how to do it and how much to invest in it I mean there's that, that whole thing that comes who's behind that the wind like for me when I did the podcast like some of the early invites I didn't know who was behind it and there was a social media person. So you, you, I would just say, you know, the founder or the man, Oh, I, that's me, you know, like say on Instagram or whatever. So, yeah, you know, it depends on the, the company, depends on the size. And I, I just think when people, they, they default to, well, it's not something I would do kind of thing, you know, and let's get a student or let's get an intern, but if they're not willing to do it themselves, you know, if they're not willing to learn it, because if that student's gone to your point of it, the money or whatever, uh, and what are you communicating? You know, Anyway. Yeah, you need to have a foundation in place. Like, like if you've got nothing, at least uh, contract out some supports to create a like a calendar for you and or, like a content calendar and and when yeah. things should go out and what to look forward to for your company. So at least you you have to find a bare minimum that you could commit to if you didn't have the help to do it. But you need to you need to spend some money to create a foundation of operations yeah. for it. So. Um, you know, but it's it's easier for larger companies to to do that. They can invest in. They have multiple channels of communications. You know, they have their community or community and social responsibility uh, Twitter account versus the main company Twitter account. Or like if you look <laughs> at the NHL, they've got NHL public relations account yeah. as well as the NHL account, right? So they they communicate similar similar things, but also different aspects of the business. Yeah, that, because it, I, sometimes. But if you take the individual small business, if you have multiple accounts. Then you're just mm -hmm. you're just you're just hemorrhaging not hemorrhaging what is it you're watering it down 
And you're yeah, you're, you're diluting your, your efforts for sure. Yeah. You have to be strategic. And so I think it's a business function that's worthy investing to uh, just like uh, your accounting or human resource practices. If you yeah. don't even have resource, human resources practices, you have to hire a consultant to establish a foundation of your policies and procedures and, and review it, right? And um, it's, it's doing it right. And, and it takes trial and error when you're uh, a startup or small business owner, you don't know what you don't know. So everyone's learning, even when you're hiring a student and, and you're a small company too, and that's understood. And it, I mean, there's so many elements, so many aspects of your fresh eyes, but there's always the assumption that, oh, you're Gen Z, you must know, you know, you must be good on, uh, you know, you must be good on, on social media. Yep. On one aspect, perhaps they grew up with that. You know, my daughters grew up with TikTok and Snapchat and, and Instagram, but they're not always good on some other elements. So I think the two comes together nicely. You know, the old, the old school, new school. You and I, I laughed. I laugh about this all the time. You're still, you're still making posts like your dad did. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that works. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like typing with two fingers. You know, Dad, there's this. You can use the, you can use the app to do that for you. So, you know. Yeah, I think there's two, there's two ways to look at that, you know, there's enough to be dangerous, knowing enough to be dangerous, and then there's a passion to do it and do it well. I've talked with a lot of students, like they, they don't want to do social media, but they recognize it's like a stepping stone. So they do it and, and <laughs> yeah. they, they can do it well. And there are others that, you know, that they want that, they want to specialize in that and they, they get it. It's easy for them. It's not mentally taxing. Yeah. Um, so it just depends on the type of person you are and how you view your act- activities. For me personally, uh, going through my communications career, I, I did uh, eight years of not-for-profit communications um, and, and had a startup t-shirt company or clothing company with some friends for a year. And I had, I was monitoring my, uh, my work accounts, uh, my company's accounts at one point, I was also volunteering and, and, and monitoring those other accounts. So I, I had multiple accounts going at any given time back in the day when you had a, like a Blackberry curve, which was even, was just, <laughs> more difficult to switch accounts to than it is today on uh if you've got oh, yeah. social media apps but yeah. i don't even have any social media now and i haven't for a few years like i'm good on it i don't want to do it again i get it i know how to do it i can enact a strategy yeah. for it but like i i would rather not you burnt um, out in that unless That's i had found some value well let, let's because let's talk about so you started with i'm looking at your so i'm cheated here because i looked at your your linkedin profile yeah. It is a social media account, by the way. Um, journalism. And so you started there, you worked with the journalism and PR students first. Is that what the your first the entry level was when you came back? Yeah, starting in career services at Mount Royal University. Yeah. Uh, I was hired as the supports to the journalism and public relations program coordinators, uh, basically creating a trio. Um, there's only, there's so many students and that we need to, we need, it was too much for two people, but not enough for four. So you, you having three of us uh, handle that worked out pretty well. And it was a interesting way for me to learn to support students, but also not be the lead in both those programs at the time. So I got to learn from a couple of great professionals and Ash, Ashley Archer, who was leading the public relations program yeah. uh, for many years there uh, in career services. And, uh, and then Chad Wilson, who is my supervisor, but also uh, in a graduate of journalism um, from Mount Royal and then leading the journalism program that said also Ashley was a, a graduate of uh, MRU too from the public relations program. So alumni do come back and contribute back, but I think it helps to understand the student journey and guide them through that. It's kind of like the coach, you know, the, if the, you back to your NHL analogy, right? A lot of the coaches, they play, they're players. You mm-hmm. know, you came up that there's very few coaches who go up the track. Like there's, there's a, in one of the NBA coaches, I said, did he ever play? I think it was the Philadelphia, one of the, one of the, play, one of the teams, you know, and it's like, they're the best coaches, right? Because they know yeah. that they know that. Uh, so it's probably your best people 
picking your people and bringing them back and teaching the journey, you know, that journalism and PR or whatever. Well, it, it definitely helps. And, and um, I mean, I know when I hired, it was, it was seen as an asset being a graduate of the, of the public relations program, yeah. also having worked in industry, um, also even just the fact that I might have some contacts and know other people too, that I've graduated with. It just, yeah. it, it's, it's a boon for the uh, journalism and public relations to have another person on the team who came from industry, came from the program, understands the student journey and can support it and knows what's going on out there at that time. So it was, um, it was an unexpected natural fit that I didn't see my career going into thinking that, you know, at some point I just want to be a, a director of creative or, or, or yeah. PR for X company somewhere at some point. Um, but I also saw myself down the road as a professional goal. And I thought I'd have to get my master's at some point to teach. Well, I guess it turns out that industry experience can help you teach too. Well, that's interesting. So I, the words journalism and, you know, that it, I came into this, whatever you want to call this social media understanding with Gary Vee and he talked in and journalists, journalists, journalists are losing their jobs. And one of my, mm -hmm. you know, my good friend is uh, his brother is works over at uh, Rogers or, you know, CTV or CFCN, whatever. I don't know what it's called these days. It's yeah. literally a jump in the skip away from me, but you know, that, that journalistic track, I mean, have, you know, Bob Sumner was on the, the podcast mm -hmm. the other day and, you know, media guy, Bob, right. He's like, and he's, we just had these stories of the journal. Where are they going then? If they're not working for the traditional track, what do you see? You know, what are those students doing? I think they're, they're finding some type of intermediary of doing communications with, there would always be a handful of journalism students who are capable of filling the, the roles of like a communications coordinator yeah. or assistant role uh, because they were interested in that and that was their way of getting through that, but they, they didn't choose the public relations program. And then others are genuinely interested in telling stories. And so yeah. we, they have to take their time and find their way. And, and it also, they'll end up working for a, a smaller community newspaper elsewhere, have to move there even um, just to get that hands-on experience, but they end up doing a lot more because it's a smaller, uh, sure. smaller journalism room there. So that, that path is changing. And I, and I think that that degree is shifting a bit too. I'm not super involved with the journalism program now at this time. No, but look, okay. So yeah. here, you've just said storytelling, communications, you know, I've had several on my podcast and recent guests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just don't have a, you know, we, we're just going public after 10 years. We're and he, and I said, Oh, you mean you're going to, you're going to go listen to the stock exchange. You know, we're kind of, we got to tell our story now. We're gonna, oh. we wanna, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, so they're going public and the comms, you know, the calm side of it, that there's a huge story. Imagine the journal, the person who can, who can write that. And this is that Gary Vaynerchuk. He says, the journalists come and work, and they 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 write those journal like the stories that are not a marketing pitch or a sales pitch. It's a story, and people they're buying it because they they you know they're they're telling the story and creating brand and and on awareness. And I, I you know I still think that's so valuable, particularly for these startups. They don't have the you know, not going out and running some media gig or, a, you know, a marketing gig, but a real story sitting with them and what's going, what's going on and how do you tra translate that into a, a journalistic story, but on a business, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. When I, when I talk to organizations that are looking for student help, they, they might be referred to me because they were told about by someone else who had hired like a public relations student. Oh, I heard I could get a PR student. I say, yes, 
like absolutely i'm 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 currently the work experience coordinator for public relations but looking at your job description other students such as a marketing student or this journalism student or sometimes there's crossover with information design students or potentially even broadcast media study students um some type of venn diagram of any of those students depending on the job yeah. description can help you so let's cast a wider net here are the brochures for these programs. Here's verbally what they I can tell you that they can do. Yeah. Um, and why don't you interview who stands out to you? Because if you interview a, a great human and, and they don't match necessarily what you thought on your job description, but you could really use their help, it doesn't mean you can't change up the job description and, and hire that student to do something a little bit different. It's absolutely great. Or you hire someone knowing that they can do 75% of the job description. You're going to ax a couple of projects and tack on a couple more because you didn't realize that there's someone like that existed that brings that yeah. experience. I, it's such a broad, it's such a broad field, but if you like, I love that vid diagram experience, um, write that out like that, right? Where does it cross? Where are those things? And that, that could tell a better story than just the, the this person versus that person or this degree or degree. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and something, and, and I kind of wish sometimes I could uh, be a fly on the wall in the interview to hear what types of questions are being asked, because I don't know what, how much um, knowledge small smaller companies or the preparation of some hiring managers in terms of what questions are asking and why to get the right um, understanding of the experience of students bringing it's one thing to see it on a cover letter and resume but have someone actually talk about it that context is huge and if you ask the question the right way you're going to get a great answer um, or the right combination of questions so it's one thing for us to coach the students up but it's the it's out of our hands how they approach the what they're what the employer approach the employer is in terms of what they ask in that room and who they decide to bring on board. It's so tough. I and mean, so th to that point, you know, and then, and looking back in your 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 overview says you did mock interviews with some of those students. Mm -hmm. You know, how can you you know if you Google go go Google if you went to Google right now and you Google the words interview or weaknesses and job skills and job interviewing, there's hundreds of millions, not a few million, it's hundreds of millions of results. Yeah. So in that. In that lens, I came across a book called Active Interview, and it was written about 10 years ago. Okay. And and it's it's kind of old school kind of references, but new like the thinking, it's 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 approaching a job interview as, as if you're selling yourself, like a sales. Mm -hmm. So it gives the parallels all the way through. You know, if you're selling a shoe, if you're selling a computer, if you're selling so it gives all these parallels throughout. Now imagine if that's you selling your, your skills, and it's a very iterative process where it's back and forth and the dialogue. And so that active interviewing, that skill can can defend, or you know, it would it would make it more. I don't know, as opposed to this, you asked the wrong question, or you had a bad day, or you didn't mm -hmm. really, you know, it's, it's it's a very subjective to the interviewee, the, the HR manager, whoever. Yeah, and, and part of our job is to to provide resources for students to understand how best to approach answering certain questions, such as <laughs> using um, a star formula, situation, task, action, result, and breaking it down that way. Yes, it sounds um, kind of maybe a bit mechanical, um, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's important when you're in an interview to, to just listen first before you answer. And it's okay to take a moment to think of your your answer you don't have sure. to have it ready. The more you do, it's like a muscle, the more you do it, the easier it gets. You know, for someone like me, who does mock interviews uh, often with students, um, who's kind of heavily involved with career development, I wouldn't be too nervous to go into an interview now, but for someone who's maybe been in their job for five years, hasn't interviewed for a bit, their next, oh. say, say they choose to quit their job and try something new, that first interview, maybe not gonna be the shaky. best interview. It's gonna come off. Cause as yeah. you said, you, you the muscle memory, right? It's lethargic or you haven't used it for a while. 
no matter how good how savvy you are in your your work your whatever it is but you're already you're already around that's yeah right. it's it's learning to hear yourself answer these questions and you, there's you should do some practice and prep for sure um but often we tell students it's well, i'd like to tell students have a short memory as you apply to jobs and you have an interview just keep applying you might have really be you might be really pumped to hope to hear back but nothing's guaranteed you don't know what yeah. they're looking for necessarily so when you do get an interview make sure you, you do what's in your power to prepare, whether it's get that sleep, don't drink too much coffee beforehand. <laughs> I don't know, make sure you eat that brain food or you've told your roommates Ish. to leave you alone, your mm -hmm. family, or go find a space that's private so you feel confident and comfortable now. But the more that you do, the better you get at it. And and we tell students to be persistent, like for, for the public relations program specifically, uh, we would say aim for like a 50% application rate on our job board, like you or all together. What if you're looking outside our job board as well, you can do that too. Um, because the more interviews and opportunities and, and applications you send out, each one is better and you're building off that foundation. Yeah. So uh, you're going to land a job after a first couple of interviews or, or, or longer. Um, it's just, you can make do well in every single one, but it's about fit at the end of the day. And you can only control what you're, you're saying. Are you are you still involved in the, the mock interviews and all that the placement or? Yeah, that's a function of of, of oh. our work is supporting mock interviews for students if they they can request it ad hoc anytime. The general population of students at Mount Royal can book an appointment um, with us if they are you know their first year Mount Royal don't know what they're doing but they might have an uh, an interview with Second Cup or an interview with. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know with with Benevity as an intern, whatever it might be. But you got you have a coffee shop right in it was one of the makers uh, from the uh, makers lab. There's a coffee shop there. He or he found it from the entrepreneur program. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, right the, uh, the Barrow. Yeah, that, we we did. So Paul Paul Varela and I we recorded the the podcast right in the on the coffee shop there. Oh really? Corner table, and then yeah, I invited the founder of the Barrow to come on, but it, it didn't work out. But uh, yeah, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, it's. Well, Daniel, no, I want the reason I'm asking about the mock because I, I think it would be a great like we did those student series with you know with with uh, the Parker or with the Bob Sumner and um, you know the PR experts. I think mm -hmm. it'd be great to do a, a a mock interview on a podcast like just the three a panel, and all right, here's you have their you know the CVs in front of you, and then you you go through it, mm. and then it's a lot, and then people hear it, and then it, I don't know if you know. If people are open to that, but I think it would be wonderful. We can. Think I think that. so too. I think um, having um, a live example of, you know, you could do uh, an A/B test. You could have someone interview someone like me or somebody else in a career services role, and how they would, to the best of their abilities, answer certain questions based on their experiences and and like a a fake job description, and have someone, uh, a student, you know, both Why? applying for an intern job. To the best of their ability, um, answer the same questions and see kind of what what differences there are. And you know, at the end of the day, I think both people would make mistakes because you know we're not we're not perfect. You, you stumble, you know, you didn't get a good sleep, whatever it might be, right? Um, just came from a meeting, and you know, you didn't have space to prepare. But it is what it is, right? That's life. So that I mean, it would be you know that, that it's something we can think about. But the, the reason another so I mentioned that on one of the podcasts I've done with an HR expert. But the, recently, um, I had Marmi Tessame Mark. She's in the Mar Media Group, and um, out in she's in Penticton. But the, you know, there was hard. She hired one of the girls here from Calgary, from Alan Parker. I can't remember. Gosh, I can't remember her name. Anyway, mm -hmm. during the podcast, she goes, "Yeah, so we had a mass. We had a group hiring." And I'm like, "What? Like five? You know, five people from your office hiring?" She says, "No, 
we brought this, we had, we had a couple of roles to fill. So we brought them, the candidates, seven candidates on a Zoom call. And it was like a wow. But so what they did was they, you know, they kind of engaged them with the different scenarios. I didn't get all the details, but she said at the end of it, we asked them, we emailed them and said, so who would you hire? You know, given what you saw and that, because they all got to see the other candidates, right? Wow. Yeah. Just, I think it's, it's amazing. And it's because they were hired for multiple roles. It wasn't like a scary, as scary. Yeah. And so the different candidates. So I don't know. I think that's a great, you know, with that group, it's a different thing than a sales. And I know from the, from the nineties, there was those say, group hiring and people show up, 20 people show up and five leave when they find out it's a group hire because it's a sales job. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think that's a cool approach and it, it really comes down to the ability of, of that organization, the, the, the host or the employer, or the supervisor, whoever's going to do that to be able to have, to be able to facilitate that. Right. It, yeah. That's a skill in its own to be able to, to run that itself and pick the right people. Um, I know, for example, my, my journey through the public relations program, when I applied is you do a group interview to get into the program as well. You have to submit an application letter and then you do yeah. group interview and then you find out if you're in or on a wait list or get denied, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I, I commend anyone who can analyze, uh, a group of people at one time and how they, how they do. And I don't, I don't know how well I would, I would be at that. How do you it's think you handle it's running It's that? scary. I did have it. So when I'll, I'll give you a quick example, but um, going back to her, so what she did, uh, Tessa, she said, I, I had breakout rooms. So we used whatever used on Zoom, but they had a breakout room. So I took the candidates one by one to the breakout room. The other one stayed and they chatted with one of my associates. So it was, there was a kind of dynamics happening, but then there was the one-on-one -on -one time. Um, so what happened in Dubai, I did this interview. It was a four candidates and one was an internal candidate and him and I connected after. Um, so it was just when it was role playing and what would you do? And, and you really have to be, cause you got to think of the day. Everyone wants your position, right? And, uh, but what I did was I played on, I leaned on the guy that was working it. Cause I knew, you know, he was going to be your number two kind of thing. I didn't yeah. get that role cause the, there was a bit of a disconnect on things, but then the finance, they wanted to the charge or the, for the CFO role it was a security company. Like they did security for, you know, in, in Russia or not Russia over in, 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 uh, Middle East and, and sort of mm -hmm. Iraq and stuff. Anyway, so Alex, I just played off him and said, so Alex, because he was the he was the number two. And lucky that was that scenario. But it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. You're kind of wondering what they're thinking and you know, did I answer that right? And there's other oh. people there too. Yeah, and and I mean, having been on the as an interviewee in that situation, you can listen to what other people are saying, and it gives makes you second guess kind of what your your answer yeah. will be if someone said kind of what you were thinking of saying too. You have to be prepared to have a, a backup or pivot or make it make it personal to you, you know. Yeah. So let's let's go back. To, let's go. Let's cover some of this stuff. So the the students that are coming through the pro, is it there's how many per year? How many does that year per year come through the program, or that would be in the work experience? Through work experience, uh, from what I can recall, I believe it's around. 700 students if not more and, and we're Each looking year? at increasing that too yeah my yeah. gosh that's insane yeah. <laughs> for a year so that so four years you've you've put you pumped out nearly three thousand students in that, in yeah not not myself but i mean as a career yeah. services department absolutely and i mean each program has a different size and and supports yeah. too but um the, so that the itself is, is a more the, the the scheduling and uh, i guess the businesses, the contacts, that's an administrative, not a nightmare, but do you use any tools for that, tech tools for that? We have a strong and amazing operations team. Um, 
with with administ with administrators and event support who yeah. on the and and technology support on the back end, um, making sure that we have the right systems in place to do yeah. our day to day business, um, and then you know front facing all of our work experience coordinators. Um, I'd say our department's done an excellent job hiring those with the skill sets to come on board and, and navigate that scenario, managing have, having students and, and industry contacts and how to do yeah. that. So it's it's having the right people in place to to keep the, the machine running. So the, the the businesses, how many businesses that 700 they get pushed into, not pushed into, but working in roughly? It would probably be a little less, right? Because you usually have a few students uh, working at the same company. Yeah, I don't. Like I couldn't quite give you a number what that would be. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a, a large database as well, which I don't even have visibility on, on how many we have currently because it's it's growing and, and shifting all the time. Um, we have to so audit I'm, our so this is too. But this is a key because you and I talked a little bit offline, but is your IT nimble enough so you can sort of pull a dashboard or you can't? Because that... There must be like, and I'm not pushing, putting you on the spot or your guy, yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of software today that allows small or big or medium sized enterprises to just pull the data from their existing you know, data sets. And then, work yeah, we, we do use a, a, a software system to manage our database, and yeah. it's, it's very robust. Um, and our, our technology coordinator, uh, Linda is amazing. Yeah. Her understanding of the program, as well as her being her being able to in, empower our admins to be very knowledgeable about the programming too. Um, yeah, we have access to who's working with which students, who's booked with which students for appointments. Okay, so you have that visibility. Um, which yeah, and which uh, which employers have have hired from which programs um, through tags, and which um, hiring managers have been have hired from which programs. So we can get pretty. Um, granular if we need to. Yeah. If I, you say those, those, those construction sites where they show where the people are movement, you know, they're, they're ready and red when they, they show like, you're like avatars throughout a, a site, but that's right. incredible. And then they show how people move and because they were, you saw some of that stuff because when the, during COVID they can show the patterns of how people move through retail stores or wherever. Yeah. But that's kind of a cool thing to map that out to see where your where your students in a business, you know, the businesses they worked at and the, the duration. How how long do they work? Yeah, like uh, how many hours or many months do they do that program? So since COVID, we've we've had to adjust our hours um, varying by program, but the standard's yeah. been since COVID 360. Um, outside of COVID, we we look at 450 hours uh, mm -hmm. as our as our standard minimum amount of hours you need to work. Yeah. Um, which I think it's about 16 weeks at 40 hours a week, roughly. Yeah. yeah. So you know that's that's a full full meal um, of of opportunity and experience for not a student. happy meal. That's a full meal. <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. You're, you're probably got a couple of patties of something in there and, yeah. you know, a large fries. But anyway, uh, it's that that's a minimum. And then students can all, can choose to work longer. Like if you're in work experience, a work experience program, you have to complete a minimum of 450 hours. But if you get offered a year long position and you see that fitting into your life, great. You'll defer your classes until you return and come back. And oh, they have that pick option. Up your degree. They could, they could yeah. defer their classes. Oh, this program is amazing. It's like a dream. It's how like you said, oh, it's too bad if it's, if it's around when my day or Jason Rivera was saying that to the kids. I mean, that's just awesome. This, but that's just evolving, the, the, the tech and the world we live in and so forth. So collaboration, are you collaborating with other universities, colleges here in Calgary across sister, sister Mount Royals? Are there out there? Yeah, so we've, 
we've in terms of um, developing processes or plans um, or programming in our department, yeah. uh, we've had co-creation groups that reach out to um, other post-secondary institutions and find out and, and survey them what they do and make contacts there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we collaborate to get information as you know, what, what's some best practices and what can we implement because you know, to put ourselves on an island would be foolish. Why wouldn't we learn from what other areas are doing, whether we- Or share, yeah, to share what you're doing as well. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think we have any public um, partnerships at this time, but definitely internally, we, we seek out information yeah. for sure. No, it's just an incredible learning and sharing. I, yeah, obviously you've got your data, you've got 700 students to manage and the number of businesses. So, I mean, that you got your day job, but it's just incredible. Just if you could, you know, that heart, I don't know if it's harmonizing, but if you could just collaborate, because I don't know, it just it seems like so much to learn, like in, in, in learning the learnings, right? What they're learning and how the, the students, they probably informally share with others as well. Oh, for so, sure. Like yeah. I was actually looking at your, your your podcast episode list and just seeing if I could glean any any insights off of uh, folks I might know or organizations we work with and like, so, I mean, Lana Rogers with uh, yeah. Gentle Lion Communications, formerly Lana Rogers PR. We've got Ellen Parker from Parker PR. I've got Ellie Bianca and, and, and oh, Evelyn you, and her yeah. staff there. Yeah. And we've got uh, Victoria Park BIA, like David Lois had students, yeah. Nicer has hired local laundry for 20 markets. And those are just the ones that I'm personally aware of because of the <laughs> students that I've worked with. You know, if, if I had my coordinate other, like, colleagues go through your list they'd be like oh this company and that person and we i've lengthened that list uh quite a but bit i love it see that see that connection like this morning i sat in a platform calgary's and that there was there was at least a dozen and i wasn't i wasn't looking for it you know kevin dahl's there terry rocks there they're, they're platform calgary people and they were the low-hanging fruit because i see that you know i was i wanted to talk to them and i but then there's the the, the people that have been on the program and he's probably from Mount Royal as well, Gio and uh, Taryn Singh. They've got yep. a company called uh, Flamingo, uh, As Flamingo. So Taryn, Taryn, or Taryn was uh, the, the guest host or whatever of that series this morning. But within the audience and different people, the startups, um, one of them was Bravita. He'd sponsored it. That's Mitch Jacobson, and, you know, his energy drink. Okay. You know, so I'm like, I'm just like, oh, these guys, he, he or she was on my podcast. So, you know, I, I just... There's just incredible connecting those people because there's a way creating that awareness. Their data, what you're doing can help. You know what I mean? Like there's a college in uh, Ryerson, where does it say Ryerson? And they, they, they wanted to start their program. But if they didn't know about it, you know, they would just start it as they know, right? The people in the local community and they start things. You're learning, you could have value that, well, 25 years, but also your four years. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of opportunity to, uh, increase and enhance the student experience. And, it, and I think Mount Royal is at the forefront of that in terms of uh, establishing a foundation, a strong and growing our foundation of work integrated learning as part of our strategic goals and following the strategic goals of, of the, uh, the uh, province as well in terms of making sure we can access our funding. Um, but I think that's to the betterment of the economy at, at large in, in Alberta in terms of producing students who are paying good money to get an education, but at least also coming up with some professional experience, not just a, a parchment <laughs> call back to that, right? Like it's, it's important to come through right. some professional Making experience it... and be able to contribute to society readily. And, and also because there's buy-in and, and understanding that that was, that'd be part of your journey, not just to go through and, and learn and then fend for yourself and, and maybe hopefully find out there's our career services department. 
you know, I tell you, know, this, this whole thing with job creation and keep putting feet to work and first jobs and all that, like literally sometimes there's a, there's a disconnect because when you go on, on the other side, when I look at venture capital funding, I don't care where it is. Two things they do is they hire developers or people, you know, the operations people to build. It doesn't matter what the sector is. It could be a tech coder. It could be a guy that's an engineer. The second one is sales and marketing. To your point earlier about comms people, they should be in those roles because they're learning a lot of those tools, maybe not 99%, but as you said, something 75, maybe 66%. They could jump in from their experiences of PR comms or journal, you know, they could step into those roles remotely, you know, in today's world. Absolutely. Those are I two key high, when they get money, I'm telling you, Daniel, I just, it's incredible. They get money and they can't find, there's a company called Larry Hippo, one VC. They have okay. 3,800, just checked this week, 3,800 open roles. Now I mentioned that to Lita Tate the other day on the podcast. She goes, yeah. And Casper was one of them, you know, Casper, the, the um, mattress. Yeah. Yeah. The job, one job is a sleep specialist. She says, yeah, but you could start as a sleep specialist. And then you wake her, you, you learn, that's kind of like starting from the ground up. And then you, you take your real skills and then you apply it like that. There's that Emily in Paris or something. There's a series on Netflix. I don't know if you. I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. No. Yeah. And she's on, there's a mattress scenario when she takes pictures all around with a mattress throughout Paris, but it's really, it's really a fun little series or show or whatever it was. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, I think ultimately communications degree is just another avenue to get your your foot in the door into the business world or, or just to the professional world. You don't have to look at it as business. If you don't want to, it's like, what That's is right. your, what is your function going to be? And what, where do your talents start? Like I, I realized um, I had to put in some work when I started my university career, I thought I'd just go into business. Cause it's all I really knew about. I didn't really have going through Ernest Manning high school in Calgary. I didn't no really, way. I live like blocks from the new one, like literally yeah. new, up here. Yeah. I've been to the new one. It's beautiful. I was at the old one. It, it was, uh, um, oh, I know the old one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good times there. Um, wow. so going through there that I wasn't aware or there wasn't made aware to us to know like what you're like someone who could guide you to what your past should be leaving high school, going into university. So I went into general studies and, and did a, yeah. I think about almost a year there until I was like, okay, I don't know that I, I read through the entire course directory or, or degree directory I'm at Royal had and researched what, what those were about. And I landed on, I think it was not-for-profit studies or, or public relations. And mostly because uh, they didn't involve math. I, I knew that math is not my strong suit. <laughs> I don't awesome. need to know algebra of some yeah. kind or form yeah. or, or even economics. I tried that. That was hard, but a very cool. I wish I understood it more. Um, okay. So did some research about those career paths, landed on PR, um, applied, uh, realized I wouldn't get into the next, the following year. So I shadowed the program, but yeah. you know, it gave time to figure out what that path is going to look like and decided that would be my stepping stone into life. And those are the, the, the talents that I identify with. But you're on a front line. You're like a frontline worker right now. You yep. literally are. Cause I, when I, when I, Brad Donaldson from SAIT, I had him on before the podcast and he's like, yeah, I don't know if there's any business connection because it's small, you know, Calgary business podcast. Right. And then I said, well, you know, that's kind of what Paul Varela said, or I can't remember if it's Paul, it was someone else. And, but then he turned around and says, yeah, but we are, we're kind of, we're being asked by industry what, what we need in our program and how to, how, how to shape the students kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're on the front line, I'm sorry, but you need one of those uniforms. <laughs> you need a front line worker. You're a different kind of front line. But... You know, yeah, we are, we're kind of that um, support system, you know, students coming from the, you know, uh, you know, training, if you want to look at like a, 
like a, a, an army perspective, you know, you go to your boot camp, which is university of, <laughs> of like trying to figure out what you need to do in life before you yeah. get set forth and have this foundation of knowledge and, and how to handle adversity um, or have some ex- knowledge to apply to some type of uh, experience um, and grow from there. So, you know, we, we, in career services, our, our goal is to leave no student behind, but also enhance the accessibility to all students coming in from their first year and, and increase their awareness. So I, I would I'd want any student moving forward to not have what I had, which is I didn't know about career services from day one going through orientation. Um, yeah. I'm sure it was discussed, but there's so much to learn from, but that's a consistent repetition of being in front of them. And I know that we're going to achieve that and, and increase the awareness. and get more frontline people or, or students through our frontline people with experience into the workforce and boost the economy. You know, there's, um, you mentioned the, the awareness on campus. And so I had Paul Dan and he's with the Ivy Campus Network. And I think Braden Istis just, he graduated from the PR program recently. I, I don't know if you know Braden. Uh, no, I, I don't. Okay, so Paul, so Paul, Paul Dan, he started this Ivy Campus Network on, you know, on, and he was talking about, yeah, there was missing when I came on campus and I go, what, would you, did you graduate in the nineties? He goes, no, I'm, you know, I'm graduating. I knew he, I didn't, he didn't. Right. He says, yeah. I says, doesn't, doesn't that already exist? Say Facebook. He says, yeah, but it's way up in the clouds and getting through the career services and, and it's got CDO office or career development office. It's not mm-hmm. easy. You know, if you're not linked, you know, it wasn't like readily for me as a new student. And so he created this, he's a computer science student. He's graduated now, but he created this, this campus thing for events on campus but I, I think it's bigger, you know, you could create right in your palm of your hand for everything. You know, when you first walk on, where's the student housing? Where do I get best food? Where's the best parking? Where's all the, where's the, where's the entertainment? Where can I buy books, use books? You know what I mean? Like that, that go-to place, because it's not always right there. Yeah, it, having a place for, for students. You, you, want, you want people to access information where, where, they, where they're looking for it. No, not where you would hope they'd find you. So if that's on, on a phone through an app and a, and a web-based service that someone or an institution can subscribe to and offer to their students, even better. And, and, I, and I would hope that we're looking at those things and uh, implementing them at some point, right? I think the challenge is, is, is with the funding from the federal government is what we can do with, with, with yeah. as much as we're, we're given, right? And invest in. So part of that's, you know, whether it's the infrastructure and the physical building in Mount Royal um, or the departmental goals that we all have um, to try and support what we need to do as a university to, to help the students in Alberta. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a huge mandate. So, but yeah, yeah, it's God, a bigger picture really, that's hard to tackle. It's, uh, but it's, in, it's incredible. So, the work experience that the, the students get, you mentioned, I think there's something I saw a placement rate. Um, are they, did they, is there a high of those 700 students? Do you have a ratio of the, them getting jobs from that program? I don't or? have a number, a finger I can I can offer you. Um, Roughly, I mean, it was just if you said 75 percent or 80 percent, is that a good? You know, what I mean, like kids are getting jobs or they're kind of doing something different or the, the value. I don't. I don't mean to when I, I, when I so when I say uh, 700 students that we're working with, yeah. um, I think that years. you could you could. And that's in that's every year yeah. around that yeah. number, and and I, I think that's only going to grow moving forward yeah. as we look to work with other departments. So, what one thing I can't tell you necessarily is if that's with uh, you know that's the placement number in total, or that's how many students we work with, and then there's a lesser number sure. that are that are placed. But what I can provide for context is. 
there is the student intent in the journey. Um, me and my colleagues, we all work with amazing students, but they all have different goals. Um, some of them are looking to secure something right away and, and they're tenacious. And yeah. there are others that, you know, they can take their time. They have a different goal in mind. So they, they may or may not want to complete their work experience um, that winter, fall or spring. And um, they're, they're, they can decide they want to be a little more um, picky or if they want to be a little more strategic uh, or maybe they're waiting for the right thing through a family friend, it didn't come up. So every student's uh, journey is a bit different. And I think those numbers sure. don't always reflect um, what the individual is deciding to do and achieve. But it is very different. Like that, back to your point of the mock interview, it depends, right? Mm -hmm. It depends on their, what their journey could be. So you can't dictate it. And it's back to your point about the Ernest Manning, like you didn't know, you know what I mean? There's the lack of awareness and we're, today's internet's more evolved and we can get that access, but there's still kids, you know, wondering yeah, what to do. I think it's empowering people to, to know where to find information and, and making it accessible. So I, I think that's part of our role at Mount Roy University. And I don't know what high schools are doing, but I, I hope at the very least, whether they had support or not, like I, I didn't coming into your first year university yeah. um, that we can say, well, you didn't have something coming in, but now you have something while you're here throughout your entire time. Nice, nice. We're here at any point. Um, we please, please join us and we will be happy to have you. And if you don't join us, we'll find you. You know, this is, there's a, the other day there's, um, and there's, there's a real focus on this. Um, I listened to a podcast from, it's going to be called Guild Education. And they're working with institutions like yours, but in the U.S., and in the enterprise, and they're there for the mid-level, mid-career worker, 30, 35. She goes, my average worker is 33, single mother, whatever, you know, and wants to take the courses. And so they raised a ton of money, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, but the podcast, she talked about upskilling, retailing, the next 10 years, you know, it's talk, it, it, she talks about very much about the next 10 years, not about what you're doing today, but what are you going to do in the next 10 years? So that retooling, upskilling. I think if you start at the high school or grade nine, I'll give one more example, Inkley. So uh, uh, Jess, uh, Rebecca and her husband's fan started this Inkley and she said, but it's in grade nine, she was, she was talking to some grade nine students and she ended up with this program called Rethink. Because okay. at grade nine, you need to rethink already. You have to, you know, that you, you go further than that. You go to the five, six-year-olds who are just learning to think, you know what I mean? Like it's just, when's that money experience? So this is the last example. Um, Susan O'Brien was on and she was talking with a, when does that money equation start? She says it starts at four years old when the kid knows how to use the app, and he says, "Mom, can you pay? Can you pay for this? Whatever it is, you know." Yeah, I think absolutely. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where that that crossover is, but I, I do think that we can all, whatever knowledge we have and the conversations we're having when 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 it's available if we're talking to someone younger than us or yeah. supporting it's it's letting know that people know that there are supports i think it's i think there's one area where students may feel different about networking and what's traditionally thought as networking and, and yeah. how to connect with people but when we get into as professionals as we get into contact with students um, regardless of their age how can we empower them to know where to look or that we're there for them at any point um, or, or suggest something without feeling preachy. Uh, yeah. No one wants to be told what they are to do, especially a teenager, right? Uh, before they even get into university, but, and they don't even realize the impact of the information they're taking on, but being of making yourself available to someone that you see something in or identify with, 
that like that's the least you can do to pay it forward. I love that. I love that. But it's like, you know, I listen to something. Are you a dentist because your dad made you? Are you an accountant because your dad made you? Like I've heard that before. You know, I've heard that on the, on the Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. I'm like, that's so true. I'm, I, my dad was an accountant. And there's so many people out there like that. You know, so did your dad made you network? You know, the networking is different, but it's the same. You know, what I mean? they still need to network. Like young Daniel coming out of Ernest Manning, he needed to know how to network in the, the how to find his way at university, right? Yeah, it's true. And I, yeah, I think your parents can play a role. What you see is <laughs> as possible. I've, I've, I've talked, I've had students come through the PR program with me where their parents or one of their parents is a communicator and that's what they want to do or you yeah. or they just that's the path they saw and who knows whether I end up in 10 years it might sure. like, you know, my, my communications path led, led me to career development of all things and so I use that as a story for students like just because you're in your program now and you start your and you've got your work term in this yeah. area or your co-op your second co-op opportunity in that area you don't know what you'll do in five or 10 years and you might have long-term goals. You could reach them sooner unexpectedly. So I, I like to let students know that you're not pigeonholed into the name of your degree in terms of what industry you need to work in. So what's anything in, in are you using social media for the Mount Royal or that's not something that's not your gig, but how is, you know, how's this program getting out there in social media? So career services has a LinkedIn page um, and yeah. we, we actively actively promote uh, anecdotal um, and, and contextual stories from students and employers about yeah. their experiences going through and working either with career services or their work experience or even advice to other students, um, whether yeah. it's the employer to advice um, or an alumni to advice or, or student to student advice. So nice. uh, we're very much about storytelling through experience on our on our channel. And, and that's what we promote, as well as anything else going on in, in career services or at Mount Royal that we'd be, be, be beneficial to our audience. So uh, part of our audiences for that page are students and employers and alumni. Um, we want to make sure that alumni are aware of us, that they can come back to career services after you graduated and still get supported for up to seven to eight years, um, which is a long time. I didn't know about that. Uh, when I graduated, I could still yeah. go back to career services and get supported. Um, we want employers to know that just because you hired one student and, you know, things have changed in your hiring and people have moved on, reach out to us. You know, we're here to help you support your hiring functions, um, and, and achieve your goals and students. You know, you could learn something from your fellow students and, and other folks and professionals uh, through our channel, sure. what during your job search semester or while you're on the job or, or just kind of going through your degree and uncertain what you want to do. That's great. It's incredible. So what, what's new and innovative for 2022? Is there any, anything that's burning that you, you want to share and, or you, can you share? I you think, um, program and I think because of COVID we've been able to, um, Put the pull the blinders back and and see what other opportunities uh, that add value to the student work integrated learning yeah. uh, experience. So traditionally, a lot of a lot of our students would just look at uh, work with the company, um, but now we can look at research assistants um, for professors. That's a that's absolutely a, a career foundation um, to go through your work experience and and then get jump started on your career or as one of your opportunities. Um, we can look at going, being an entrepreneur. I had one student um, who decided that they found the value in utilizing their inf uh, social media influencer business they'd been building to launch, or to use for their work term and launch it. So they put in the work to prove that it'd be viable. 
um, outsourced an outside mentor um, to support them through and let them know when they were doing something right and how it can be better. And if it's bad, how it can be good too. Um, so we can go that route. Uh, there's lots of ways. So we weren't open to those things in the past as, uh, quite as much. So I think we can only just find more and more ways for students to get their different experiences and put it all together. No, I, I, I can't, you know, it, it's incredible that whether it's COVID or whatever circumstances, but just over the, you know, like some of these startups that I, I'm going back to the PR comms, but it, mm. it opens opportunities. A lot of these research PhDs coming out of the University of Calgary or up in Edmonton, the, the research departments, that whether it comes to commercial or not, there's this, um, you know, there's there's that period inflection point where we say, well, this can be, but the, you know, they don't have anybody that the business side, you know, anybody to help them funnel that through, or maybe the advisors say, you know, what I mean, because like, they don't have the money or they don't have the the capital yet. But they also don't yeah. the, they don't have the communications team to help them communicate back to that the oil and gas guy ten years and they're finally coming up public. I see what you mean. Well, I think the other thing coming for for twenty twenty two in that vein is is uh, awareness of funding. So right. we we now have a, a funding specialist on our team um, focused right. on ensuring that. Uh, growing industries and company or st and startup companies in Calgary or elsewhere that they're looking to hire yeah. that might want to post with us um, have access and are aware of funding for students if they nice. aren't if they aren't able to pay or yeah. maybe they're looking at hiring one student but with funding they're able to hire three yeah. right so then they're they're bolstering their their goals and that's growing smart. faster and is... we're able to get more students uh, with experience through and and uh, yeah. It, I think funding is the biggest thing in, in supporting industry that way. Well, that, Cause that's that, that jobs first or the first jobs program. I think that's one of the key components uh, yep. is, is, is getting students in a number of years that, I mean, that is because it's, it's instead of you being pro reactive, you're being proactive and say, Hey, this, and then you could wave that, you know, if you're looking and but that, that takes an effort as well. Once you find out where the funding could be, you got to find those startups from Calgary, CDL. There's probably a lot of those, you know, that could, that yeah, and that's part of our strategic goal is to be more involved in industry. And we've redesigned our department in terms of our roles to be more specific in, in, in our approach. Previously, yeah. we were all uh, generalists, being able to do a bit of everything, work with industry, uh, network with industry, but also support students. Now, we've got partner a partner engagement team who's focused solely on growing our partnership with industries and, and industry associations and networking with that and, yeah. and make creating awareness um, in the business community in Calgary and at large. Whereas we all, and then we also have now a career development team who's focused on the student journey from day one, first year um, through to being an alumni. Uh, you're always supported, whether you're in a co-op co program, a work experience program, or going through a program with none of those items. Well, Daniel, I think this is incredible. I, I, I don't even know if I got half of my questions, so we're going to have to have another podcast to be continued. But really, this has been really fantastic. Thanks for taking the time today. Is there I anything, appreciate it. Yeah, is there anything I didn't ask or you wanted to say about the program? Is there anything? No, I think I've, I've made my sales pitches. No, career <laughs> services being available on, on, yeah. on LinkedIn is, is our primary source of, of feeding information and, and learning to uh, employers and, and students and alumni. Um, and then just being able to support more students and, and our strategic goals and work integrated learning being being the way forward uh, in terms of growing your career as a student, whether you're just starting or, or near the end, you can still find a way to to boost your opportunities and your and your learning to make yourself a great candidate. So 
I appreciate you having me on and, and the opportunity just to speak freely with you and, and explore uh, what's out there in, in the business community and what's going on in post-secondary at Mount Royal University. Yeah, so we'll we'll look at the mock interview. I don't. I think we got two or three ideas we can foster from this day, like bringing other students on, bringing some of your businesses. Happy to showcase and having that you know that dialogue. Maybe someone gets from one of your business, uh, you know, maybe not as big as TC Energy, but one of the medium size or whatever, and they just yeah. talk about the program that way from their experience. We just we do a Q and A. Daniel, what do you think? Do you agree with that that comment, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm on board to to cook in the kitchen with you and see what we can come up yeah. with. Daniel, thanks so much, and uh, for have a enjoy your weekend. It's, it looks like it's going to be nice for the weekend here in Calgary. Thanks, Alan. You too. You too. Stay safe, man. You too. Bye.